Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of The Host Show. I am your host, Jasper Rivers, and we release a new episode of this show every single Monday. And in these episodes, I interview Airbnb hosts from all around the world to share their stories and provide tips and tricks on how to get started and be successful as an Airbnb host. Now, this episode is brought to you by Legends X, our 90-day short-term rental accelerator program that's designed to help you skill your hosting business by getting yourself out of the daily operations. So that frees up your time so you can become the CEO of your business instead of the manager and really focus on those higher level tasks that move the needle and allow you to grow. So for more information about Legends X and how to join, visit strlegends.com X. Now let's dive into today's episode. Enjoy the show. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Welcome to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pet. Today I'm very excited. I have a very special guest. His name is William Perry. He's the co-founder and CEO of Altito, which is, to my knowledge, one of the largest short-term rental management companies out of Europe. So we're excited to learn about Altito, learn about brand, but also get William's thoughts on how he thinks the industry is going to develop in the in the next few years. So William, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining. Thanks for the very kind intro, Jasper. And yeah, that's right. I'm yeah, I have the pleasure of leading. Altido, one of one of the largest short-term rental companies, property management companies in Europe. We are in the dream-making business. Altido, a lot of people don't know, stands for a life that I dream of. And so we we manage lots of properties all over Western Europe, UK, Portugal, Italy, Spain, France, and we host thousands of guests each year. And we we look forward to welcoming them, hopefully making their holiday or their corporate stay as wonderful as it possibly can be. Awesome. Yeah, I love that brand name. The can you say that one more time? So Altido, a life that I dream of. And a life um, that so I yeah, dream not, of. Not everyone knows that, but but I'm I'm keen to get the word out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I didn't know that either. Like I saw it like as we were getting ready for, for the podcast. I saw it somewhere. But yeah, I've known of the the brand Altido for for quite a while because we're we're always looking at like, you know, what are the bigger companies doing and and so I've known off Altito, but I, yeah, I didn't know that. But that's a cool, uh, that's a cool name. Just out of curiosity, like I know you guys are in multiple countries. You're in Portugal, you're in Scotland, England, Italy. What was your first market that you guys went into? Yeah, it's a very good question, a slightly convoluted answer, but and and quite an unusual one, I think, for our industry. So the first market I was in was was England, and specifically London. So I founded a, a short-term rental business in 2015 in London. But at similar times, there were other independent companies founding in Edinburgh, in Lisbon, in Milan, so in some of the other countries we mentioned. We decided in 2019, we'd, we'd be meeting some of these other founders at conferences and they were doing similar things. And so what we were doing, growing small but profitable independent businesses, good brands in their market, good local knowledge, and we'd be meeting and discussing with these companies and, and consolidation was kind of talk of the town, what's going to happen in the future. 
and we decided that actually we, we would be part of that process and would consolidate our businesses together to form a larger entity. So we actually had separate brands before then, but in 2019, we did a four-way merger. So four corporate entities came together and we formed Altido, this new brand, which was kind of, yeah, to, to launch ourselves on the scene as, as one of the larger players, one of the more significant players in Europe. We didn't know what was around the corner with COVID, which threw a little spanner in the work, quite a large spanner. But that's how it started. Yeah, I can imagine that must have been a difficult time during COVID. How many units do you manage in total? Because our range of inventory has grown in lots of weird and wonderful ways, we, we now don't just manage properties, units, but also rooms because we manage a few hotels and what we call pop-up hotels where we manage student assets just in the summer. So if you include everything, it's probably about 2,500 units, properties and rooms across the year but right. we're growing very fast so that number is, is is increasing month by month so one of my questions was you know when i looked at altito i noticed you have a lot of different assets classes as you as you just mentioned and so i was kind of curious but now that makes more sense now that as, as you were telling how you you merged so i imagine like when you merge like there were you know the different companies had different asset classes i guess Yes, although back then, in general, it was it was more similar. But I would say the kind of seeds of of, of the different asset classes were beginning to show themselves. So, so I think we all had the same roots, which was essentially the expansion of Airbnb throughout the, the last 10 years. We've seen in pretty much every urban city around the world, Airbnb management companies pop up because there was a need there to, to help to help host and as a, as a service-based company. And so I think our origins were all the same of these four separate businesses. It was helping hosts who had properties either vacant for a period of the year or the whole year, and they wanted help short-term renting. And so we all started like that. But then I'll give you an example of Edinburgh as, as, as something where we where we took a, a we, we added a different asset class. So around the time actually we merged businesses, because you begin to get a presence in the, the market, you you, under, you you get sort of knowledge of the, the real estate market. You, you begin to get known if you're a local player, particularly one of the larger ones. And so you start having conversations, not with just the typical Airbnb owners, so an individual individual owner who happens to have a either a primary residence or maybe, maybe it's a secondary home, but you begin to talk to different kinds of asset owners so kind of more institutional or, or professional asset owners and so that's how we met our first student accommodation so it was a, a large property in edinburgh about 200 rooms and they run that as a student um, accommodation for nine ten months of the year and then in the summer it's empty and so they were looking for a, a provider to help them essentially flip that into a short let asset or a mini hotel or pop-up hotel as we call it and we we came on board in 2019 and we've managed it every year since and so you sort of prove the concept in in one market and then you realize you're, you've suddenly unlocked a whole new market that you are unaware of so we now do working with different owners in london in york in dublin in italy and spain where we do work with these student accommodation providers and you, you suddenly you've gone from kind of like a seed in one place where you proved the concept you did your pilot and suddenly you're you're realizing that you actually there's a, a serious amount of potential to scale quite quickly and manage thousands of rooms 
that are, are underutilized assets. So that's just one example. There are other types of inventory in, in between that we manage. But I think, I guess one of my, the key takeaways I've, I've learned over the last few years is despite the fact there's a lot of similarities in, in the markets we work in, inevitably things change, whether it be regulation, whether it be timing, whether it be supply issues, whatever it is. And so being able to adapt your model for a specific market is is really important. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Because like we we interviewed a company a few weeks ago and they are very focused on one particular property, like at least four bedrooms, it's group travel. They manage only larger homes. So they have a very specific property that they're going after. And that's and they started that way, right? And so my when you know, when I was looking at when I was preparing for this podcast, I was thinking like, is it is the, is there an advantage to to kind of doing multiple SS classes? Like you mentioned, like you can kind of tailor the SS class where the opportunity is in the different markets, versus if you go for one asset class, then you know some work some markets, I guess, are just not going to work for that particular asset class. I think there's pros and cons to both. I think in, in, there's sometimes I wake up and I think. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be doing a really, really simple business, which does does one thing and you rinse and repeat and you double down and you stay concentrated on that and you do it time and time again. You know your business backwards, you know your margins backwards, you've got your system absolutely nailed. Everything else is distraction and white noise. And look, there's a lot of successful businesses who probably continue to do that. But I think it's not without its risk being totally concentrated means that if you do have something that goes against you, whether that be you get outcompeted by a new entrant to the market or a black swan like COVID that particularly affects you because you you weren't able to be nimble in switch, you are potentially exposed. And so, I, but, but I do think when you start, you just want to do one thing. When you're starting out, you that's not the time to diversify. That's a time where you've got limited resources, limited time, you've got to prove prove the model and do something and do it well, because that's how you begin to grow. That's how you build a reputation. And we started, as I said, seven years ago, and every year has been a fundamental change for the business as we've grown. There's been something which has happened that has usually led led us forward and we've, we've grown even further other than the COVID years. And so in, in the latter years of, of the kind of seven year journey I've been on, and I'm sure this will continue over the next seven years, diversification has become just integral to the nature of the business. And I think if you're building a, a multinational business, you cannot help but diversify because you already are diversifying across geographies, even if you're doing the same thing. But then you work out when you go into these new markets, what worked in London is not going to work in Madrid or Barcelona in, in the same way because you've, you've got different challenges, different cultures, different regulation. They're just different markets. And so I think you've got to be open to it. And then looking at it not just as kind of de-risking it, but looking at it as an opportunity. If you are serious about growing a really, really big business, there's complementary products that where you've done your pilot, you've worked out how to engage with short-term rentals, you've worked out how the software works, you've worked out how to make a margin, but then it happens there might be something adjacent market where you've got all the skill set and you can tap into that. So suddenly your, your growth team can go after that new model, expand in there. And it may be that, you know, it's complementary from seasonality or maybe complementary in terms of the margins are better, but those will be missed opportunities if you kind of just have the blinkers on, you're like, well, I'm only gonna do this one thing. So, so far for us, 
I think we, we, we diversified at the right time once we had a kind of foundation. And we've seen through the new asset classes we've added on that it's, it's, it's a way of developing essentially a complementary portfolio, which has a massive opportunity to scale. So we, we've got lots of different verticals we can work in, and, and each of those have their own and particular ceiling that we hope to tap into. Is it a lot more challenging from a management perspective when you have all these different type of, of homes? Yes, <laughs> it is, it's, it's massively, but that's, but you know, it wouldn't, the, the value wouldn't be there if it wasn't, you know, that is, that is the challenge. We are doing hard things. We are testing ourselves. We're not kind of sitting still and you won't get them all right. You know, there are some projects which you think, oh, that looks kind of interesting. And then when you get, when you do your pilot, you go into it, like, oh, that was harder or actually the margin wasn't quite as good as we thought, or we hadn't realize that that was going to be a cost and so some you pull out of or you just you don't grow them as fast and so yeah it's not i don't think it's easy i think the key thing is what i said earlier is making sure that it logically makes sense within the ecosystem that you're working in so it should be something that you've built up the core skill sets and you can apply that core skill set to a new vertical but if you're doing something totally different where you're having to start from scratch then you then you really are a business class size, you're taking an unnecessary risk because you're having to tool up to do something completely different. We, Everything we do is around real estate and is around the management of that real estate. And, yeah. and it's complementary so far. It means we can go to our owners and say, do you want, do you want a short let solution, a mid let solution, a long let solution? Oh, what kind of, you've got these other assets. Yeah, we can help you with that. So that's all complementary and that's great. If they said, oh, we've actually got a factory that we need to run and it makes ball bearings, and we said, yes, let's go for that, then I would be like, no, bad idea. Like, but, you know, that's, we, we, we don't want to compete in, in markets that we have no experience. Mm. By the way, the company that I, that I mentioned is Avant Stay that we talked to. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 I know them. Yeah. So they, they have a very specific property avatar, if, if you will. As you were talking, I was also thinking, well, if you're like Europe is so culturally diverse, right? Because there's different countries like like Spain versus England is very, very different. I've lived actually in both countries and it's it's a different world, really, right? Versus the US, it's yeah, you have different states and you know, they talk a little different in the south than than in the east or, or in the west, but largely like culturally it's it's fairly similar. So do you think it's is like if you were to build this type of business in the US, you think you would diversify as much as you do? Well, I guess first thing to say is we, like, fortunately, at the moment we've got our hands full with with just Western Europe, and we and we're growing in, in an exciting way with there. So, so it's a problem I don't have to solve yet. But who knows? We we may end up in the US in future. And and in terms of the market, yeah, I think I think as you say, like that, that there's the legal framework and the regulatory framework and, and the cultural framework, there will be a lot more synergies working in, you know, somewhere as large as the States. But I imagine there's still going to be, you know, local laws, local challenges, which do vary from city to city, state to state. I mean, even if we take the UK, for example, we work in London and Edinburgh and Edinburgh is becoming a regulated market. It wasn't before. This is a massive piece of legislation. It's coming in next year. Um, and we have to react to that. We're, we're probably the biggest player in, in, in Edinburgh. And so that's, you know, same country. It's a train ride away from London, but very different challenges. Yeah. Do they still do those ghost tours in Edinburgh? They do. And Harry Potter tours. There's lo lots of tours you can do in Edinburgh. 
and during the fringe which is which is in august the big festival anyone planning a, a holiday to scotland great time to go is, is during august because i'm the largest arts festival in the world so you have ghost tours harry potter tours and, and much much more and we would we would happily host you <laughs> yeah i was there in 2002 when i was living in Southampton, actually. I took that train ride up to Edinburgh. And that's the two things I remember is the, the ghost tours and the, the sausage, the blood sausage. Was it something like a blood sausage? Oh, what, in terms of black pudding, was it? Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. Yeah, black pudding. Yeah, yeah. No, lots of, uh, lots of interesting culinary delights as well in Scotland. Yeah. But that could be a whole other, whole other uh, podcast. But going back to, what we were discussing. So we're talking about like the diversification asset classes. Me, my business partner, Eric, we've been very focused on building a completely new brand. So branding is something that we've been talking about a lot. So I'd love to hear from you for smaller property managers. Like how important is it, is it to build a brand from, from the beginning when you get started? So from my view, from the beginning, when you get started, I actually think not that important. It, it depends what you mean by building a brand. You, you need a presence. You need you need a name. Clearly, you need to get a website. You need some credibility. But if I think back to our original brand, which is a, we had four separate brands and, and before we merged, but the one I created was something called the London Residence Club, LRC, and it was based in London. And the the only reason we we recreated that brand and gave it that name, gave it the London Residence Club, was to try and hopefully you and your listeners will will feel that as some sort of Sounds quite high end. It sounds like, okay, this is maybe a little bit exclusive. And so that was the the only, I guess, dynamic element of the brand is that we were we were we were targeting that particular end of the market. But we were actually fairly open to the type of inventory you took on. But how important was that brand in the early days? Not particularly really. What was really important was us as founders. We were the ones selling to the owners to bring on the inventory. And we were the ones delivering the service to the guests. So really it was. The people behind it was was much more important back then. And very few people, all our bookings initially came from Airbnb. Very few of our guests would have been aware of our brand. They were definitely aware of our service and that mattered. That meant we got a good review or bad review, had to give a refund or not. And our owners were aware of the service we delivered. And so that then is the brand is really much more of a personal brand. And I, I think invest spending too much money in the early days on brand is, is probably wasted. Because you're competing against the, the wrong markets. You're on the guest side, you're trying to compete against the OTAs, which is the thankless task. And even and on the owner side, it's really actually about leveraging your own network rather than spending you know large amounts of money trying to compete in an already probably quite crowded market. I think that changes as you grow. In fact, I know it does, and or, or my view is it does. And so, you know, we created Altido. That was a really important brand for us because suddenly we were. An international player suddenly people knew about us we were beginning to get recognized people would know that name and they would have an opinion on it and i think as you know where we're going in the future we're actually rebranding next year so in in q1 we will have a new umbrella brand because we're part of it isn't just saltido in our group we have other brands we have a brand in france and a brand in italy so we will have an umbrella brand that sadly i can't reveal yet but stay tuned and that will be really important with where we're going because the, we're, the, the larger group is an incredibly sizable business, you know, tens and tens of millions in, in, in turnover. 
and and we have grand plans ahead and so so that brand is really important on our two core customers one in inventory in reaching out the landlords that we're and asset owners that we're working with and having some credibility and service level attached to that brand and two from the kind of short let side as we all know we would love more direct bookings and so having a brand that you can begin to attach some loyalty to the however many hundreds of thousands of guests we have coming through our doors each year begins to end up in your bottom line because you can start monetizing that so in the long run i think brand is really important in in the short term you've got other other problems to face and and cash flow is tight sure so you're you're mentioning that as as you're growing like brand becomes more important like is there a certain size where you think that property managers should start focusing on that more? I don't think it's too prescriptive in terms of number of units. I, I, I wouldn't put necessarily a figure on that, but I, def- I definitely think there's a certain time. I think there's a certain time in, in, in the life cycle of where you are with your business and what you want to do with it. As I said, like the, the way we grew our business is we were independent and we hadn't raised any money. So we we got to a pretty sizable international business as Altido with no external funding owned wholly by the, the founders. And so that informs what decisions you can make because you know there is no safety net. And so you have to be care- very careful where you deploy your money. And one of the things at that stage where if, if you if you're in a business like that is you can't afford to have a huge marketing budget and spending lots and on your brand. Now, circumstances have changed for us. We're part of a large group. We're a very well-funded group with grand plans ahead. So it actually becomes the right time strategically to spend a portion of our budget on that. So I think it, you know, if you're a small business, but you've got grand plans and you are getting funding, the timing is bound to coincide with that, where you, you know, you take on your X, however million invested in the business and you're bound to, to prudently use a portion of that towards your brand. If I was to put a number on it, I, I, I definitely think if you've got anywhere under two, 300 units, there's not much point spending money on your brand. But once you've got you know, serious ambitions, a business plan, you're well-financed to execute that business plan and you know where you're going, then investing in the brand becomes a, a long-term play, which will pay off. But I think long-term play is the key words there. You're not going to see return on a lot of that money even in the next few years Mm -hmm. it's a a long-term thing sure what so going back to the altito brand what are kind of like the unique selling points of the business why do people come back to your brand yeah it's i think we usually have a brainstorming session on this every year because it's a question which i think is so important for any business but frustratingly hard to answer in the business we run and the reason I say that is you 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 mentioned events earlier, and that's an example of where when you do one thing and you do it really really well, you have a very clear value proposition, and so it's very easy to say what your brand stands for. Our brand stands for this, and we don't stand for that. It's very clear what we do. You can communicate to your audience really well. Mm-hmm. One of the problems or challenges with diversifying as much as we ha- have, it's really hard to explain to people what Altido do because we do so many different things. And you only can catch people's attention for a short period of time. So like I introduced this, start this podcast, one of the easy ways of saying that is, you know, in terms of our vision as a short-let business is to fulfill every traveler's dreams. That's quite a grand 
vision, but we are a life, a life that I dream of is, is, is the brand. That's what we want to do. And our mission, I, the way we execute that is to deliver the best possible service we can. And so when I when we reflect on this, we think, okay, well, what is it? What's our secret source? I can't say it's our inventory because our inventory is, is not our own. We don't own it. And most of it, we don't lease it. So we don't have control over it. It's We're managing it on behalf of others. And that means it's in different locations, different shapes and sizes. So if you come and stay with Altido, you can have very different experiences inventory-wise, depending where you are. So it's not like, oh, I'm in an Altido property because it has X. Well, no, because it, it will be different every time. But what hopefully, what we're trying to do and trying to communicate to our, to our guests is when you stay with us, you've got our brand promise, which means we, we provide the best service level we possibly can whilst you pre-booking, whilst you're there and, and once once you've left. And we do that with a very large and experienced team. And I think that it sounds kind of like, well, anyone can say that. But if, I, if we look back at the last seven years and the rest of, certainly in Europe, the rest of the industry, we were one of the first companies to invest in an offshore office. So we have 100 staff in an office in, in Bulgaria that we run, we manage, we employ, we've got very high longevity of staff there, so they know our business very well. And they're the ones providing a lot of the customer service to our guests. And I think certainly in the early days, I think it's changed now as the market's matured, but the early days, these small independent property managers, the one problem they had is they were stretched on resources. And that ultimately lets your service level down because you can't be, you know, we're open 365 days a year, 24-7. So if you call me at 3 a.m. tonight, someone will pick up, they'll sort out your problem. Many companies can't do that. It's just after 10 p.m., you're on your own and the line's open again at 9 a.m. So investing in making sure you've got the right amount of people to run on the service and then investing in that team, training them, kind of doubling down on, on that brand promise filters through to the guests. And I know that because I see it in the reviews that come back. So yeah. that again is a long, long-term play to, to cement that in people's mind and get people to come back. You've got to keep doing it. So far, so good. Yeah. It's interesting because like when you ask people, what's your favorite hotel brand? Like people always know. But when you ask somebody, what's your favorite short and rental brand? You know, people usually say Airbnb. But, yeah. you know, like I've stayed at probably like just over a hundred Airbnbs or so. And do you see a lot of people who, who will stay at an Altido, let's say in Portugal, and then they come back, they go to England and then they want to stay in Altido because they had a great experience and they remember the brand and they want to stay there again? So yes and no. And the reason I say that is we see a lot of goodwill and sentiment for that. We see a lot of people who stay with us and they say it in the reviews and they say it to our messages to us. They go, I had a great experience. I'm going to use Altido when I come back or I'm going to use Altido elsewhere. The reality is the nature of travel and the nature of people's busy lives is when you end up on Airbnb again, you may forget that. And so I don't think we convert as many of those great experiences we would like to. But we do sit, we do still see people come back. We're increasing our share of direct bookings. We're up to about 15%. And that we hope will increase in, in the years to come as well. I was actually something I was reflecting on before when you mentioned about hotels is what's happened is, or is happening, we're in the middle of it, is when Airbnb seven years ago, you stayed in, if you, you had an Airbnb experience, your expectations are very different to what your expectations are today. The guest who stayed seven years ago is kind of like, oh, it's Airbnb, it's kind of cool, it's startup-y. Like if things were a bit rough around the edges, you would accept that. That's why you've ended up there. Now you've got a much wider demographic who will trust and would go with an Airbnb, but also 
the market is professionalized, they're much more professional managers, the expectations are much higher from the guests. So we have to raise our standards. And that's been the trend of the last seven years, and that's only going to continue. And essentially what's happening is we're just moving towards what the hotel's standards are like. So we're we're obviously very far away from that, but we've seen us get closer and closer and closer in terms of the type of amenities you offer and type of the service that's expected. And so I think there is a, a future where you ask that question and you know, what's your favorite short-term rental brand? And they actually do give a property manager rather than an OTA like Airbnb. But again, it takes time. We it's the market maturing and that process will be, you know, another 10 years. Well, that leads into another question I wanted to ask, which is looking at the future, looking at 2023 to 2026 or so, what, what should property managers be focusing on in the next three to five years in order to stay, stay in business, first of all? We might see you know, some economical problems down the line. You mentioned expectations have risen quite a lot. Right. So we have to improve our standards in order to keep a high satisfaction rate with our from our guests. So what should we be focusing on to be successful? Yeah. So the short answer is profitability. And the reason I say that, it, it's it's kind of an obvious one, but it's been exacerbated over the last couple of years, is when we started out in this industry, nobody cared about profit. In fact, it was kind of it, it was it was all about raising money and growing and you know. Profit's irrelevant. It's just about how many units you've got. And it doesn't really even matter what the units are. And I don't mean to sound kind of smug looking back in hindsight, but our approach when back then was was that seemed odd to us. You know, we were running an independent business. And so, and, and we that was by choice, was that we need to meet, make sure this business, the fundamentals of it work, do the unit economic works, and how can we make this business run sustainably? Otherwise, it would just be a flash in the pan. You can have a few good years you're not going anywhere long term and in hindsight you know that obviously turned out very well for us particularly when you have something like covid coming which just all bets are off and people do get found out you know they say when the tide goes out you see who's not wearing any clothes and we've, we've seen quite a few people come a cropper or companies come a cropper in, in the european and american markets because of that so the next three to five years certainly from an investment perspective but i just think from running a business perspective in terms of do you actually believe in your model do you actually do you know where you're going You've got to make sure that that stacks up and the way in which you do that the next you know how well yes you've got to get your costs under control but we've spoken about it quite a lot the key bit is inventory what are you managing so if you work back from profit it's like well where does the revenue come from the revenue comes from the guest thing you need to be managing the right type of inventory and that's a challenge for us because we we manage lots of different areas and lots of different types and we don't always get it right. We've taken on some properties where we shouldn't have managed it and it lost us money. But we're able to do that with the size that we're at. But you've got to be very, very strategic about, okay, is that the right, is that in the right location, the right spec, the right ADR, that I'm going to be able to make profit from that. So my my key advice for property managers to focus on would be. Make sure you know what inventory you're managing and you're targeting the right kind. That leads and enables you to run a profitable business. Makes sense. What are you expecting in the in the next couple of years? Like, you know, 2021, 2022 have been, depending on the market, but like for the larger part, it's been pretty good years. Do you expect this to continue for a few years or do you expect some some bumps down the road? I think there's bound to be some bumps. But I'm naturally quite optimistic. 
I think what we've seen in 2022 is, I mean, this is our best year ever by miles. I mean, 2019 was a good year. 2020 was terrible. 2021 was a bit better, but not that much better. And then 2022 was a big surprise to us. Just, you know, it started a bit slow, January, February, and then the rest of this year has been has been really successful. And, and I'd be really, you know, if I was managing a business this year and you aren't making money or you're breaking even, then I'd be really concerned because if you can't make money this year, then you're going to struggle in future. I think what we've learned over the last few years is you don't know what's coming. I mean, my prediction, my hope and expectation is that we have the, the, the next, you know, I'm, I'm expecting another good year next year. We're just rounding up our budget and it looks like a pretty positive picture. We expect to grow next year and, and be even more profitable. And so far, the bookings that we've taken and the conversations we've had, everything's going well. But we know, I don't think it's going to be, we're not going to have as big a shock as COVID, I don't think, anytime soon. But there's bound to be local shocks. Even just the one I mentioned earlier about regulation in a particular market, you never quite know what, with a change of government what, or, or local government, how that can affect and impact stuff. So, being being ready for that really is the most important thing that you that you're you've got your fundamentals as solid as you possibly can so that when something does shake you or unexpected in a bad way you can ride it out and equally when that opportunity because opportunities will blindside you are you ready to be okay cool yeah i can take the risk i'm ready to go and, and capitalize on that yeah last question before we wrap it up let's say you're in the shoes of somebody who manages you know, like five to 15 units or so, and you want to, you want to grow to like a hundred, hundred, 200 units. What would be your number one piece of advice for that person? Give me a call. Cause we might be interested in buying you. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that'd be my first piece of advice. And after that, if you don't want to join the Altino train, which is a lovely train and, and you should think about it. My advice would be, so I remember that time so well. So there's the excitement of when you take on those first few units and you see the money flow and you realize we've got a business, this is happening, it's live, it's exciting, there's, there's some problems, it's great. And you just want to grow at that point. You're like, how can I get more inventory on? Then that next phase, so you know, if you're going from say 10, 20 units and you're going to 50, that crunch is absolutely horrible if you don't have your operations and processes lined up and most people don't because you've never done it before you're learning on the job but it will take a personal toll on you as the founders because you have to carry the can and so you're the ones dealing with the guests late at night and and, and all those kind of challenges i think the advice i would give myself back then which i didn't know is rather than just kind of feeling your way in the dark and you're like well we're just growing and we'll see where we go and try and ride it out is have a really clear view which can change in future but have a really clear view at that moment of time is why are you doing this and where do you actually want to go? So how many units is success for you? What constitutes success? Do you want to get to 100 units, 200 units? Why, why do you want to do that? Do, do you know how you're going to do that? Is that fulfilling a particular ambition? Do you want to sell the business? Do you, is it a lifestyle business? Really drill down into that because when you answer those questions honestly, it enables everything else to flow and it makes your life easier because even in the tough times and the tricky times, you know that you're doing it for the right reasons. You've got kind of got that steely core that you're like, okay, it's okay, I can keep going because we're heading towards that objective that stacks up. I think if you don't do that, and I've seen it with a lot of businesses, you can end up going to about 100 units and it's horrible because you're like, well, this might not be me, but it might be breaking even, it might start even losing money. So you've just applied a load of stress to yourself and pressure and you don't really know why you're there. And often you think, well, I'd like, like to get out of this or you made all the choice maybe made for you. Awesome. That's great advice. 
So for people who are listening and who want to stay at one, one of her units, I know you're in Portugal, Scotland, England, and Italy. I see yes. on the website. Any other countries? That's, that's right. So, But with, with the, the merger we did at the start of the year, France and Spain for the slightly longer length stay, so one month plus, we will be doing more short let in those markets. But yeah, those, those are our core, core regions. Got it. So yeah, if you want to stay at an Altito, go to stayaltito.com and you'll find all the, all the units, all the information there. So, well, I'm, I'm traveling back to Europe next week, actually. So who Fantastic. knows? <laughs> come. Thank you so much for your time, William. Really appreciate it. Congratulations on your success. And I'm excited to follow your, your journey with Altito and with everything that you guys have in the, in the pipeline. It sounds like a lot of exciting times coming up for you. So Brilliant. appreciate Thanks it. Thanks so much, Justin. Been, been a pleasure. And to the listeners, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And we'll be back, of course, with another Get Paid for Your Pad podcast. See you then. Thank you so much for listening to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. We really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you want to learn more about hosting on Airbnb and building a short-term rental business, then go ahead and subscribe to our daily email newsletter at getpaidforyourpad.com. And if you're just starting out on Airbnb, make sure to download our free Airbnb starter guide at getpaidforyourpad.com forward slash get started. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts for a chance to win lifetime access to the Short-Term Rental Profit Academy, our starter course for anybody who wants to start an Airbnb business. Every month we select one random reviewer and give that person access to the course. Um, so if you want to have a chance to win access to the course, uh, please leave us a review and then uh, you might uh, join our program pretty soon. So thank you for listening. Check back every Monday for a new episode of The Host Show and every Friday for an episode of SDR Conversations of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.